Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. This is our conversation about what matters most to you, whether you're a veteran PM or just thinking about becoming certified, we're here to inspire excellence, stimulate creativity, and help you avoid some pitfalls along the way. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me are the chief motivators, Andy Crow and Bill Yates. Andy, we have a couple of guests on the line today who have experience with a project that kind of hits close to home with all of us who have to negotiate the highways of project management, both figuratively and literally. You know, there's a lot of uh, metaphors that could be used here. There's no question. We're excited about it. And uh, one of the things I'm really excited about here is just the size and scope of this project. Uh, I think a lot of us can learn from this. Well, let's get into it. Stephen Lively is the Program Delivery Manager for Major Projects with the Georgia Department of Transportation, or GDOT. Paul Rogalski is the Senior Project Manager for HNTB. He's the Program Management Consultant. And together, they have worked on projects geared toward helping to alleviate some of the worst traffic tie-ups in the nation. Stephen and Paul, welcome to Manage This. Well, thank you. It's good to uh, be in conversation with uh, you and your listeners today. Well, the project you're involved in right now is in the Atlanta, Georgia area. It's called the Northwest Corridor Project. Can you just give us a little bit of background to this? What is the Northwest Corridor? Uh, the Northwest Corridor is a uh, tolling project that begins at the I-75, I-285 interchange on I-75, traveling north to Hickory Grove Road, uh, which is in Cherokee County. So the project starts in Cobb and ends in Cherokee. And then it on the 575 corridor, project ends at Sixes Road. So it's approximately 30 miles long of tolling lanes from 285 to the 75, 575 split. There will be two tolling lanes to the west of the existing 75 main line. And then north of the 575 split on 75, there'll be a one lane utilizing the existing median. And also on the 575 corridor from 75 to Sixers Road, uh, the project will have one tolling lane utilizing the existing uh, median. So I think it's clear that this is a this is a massive project. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, actually, we uh, rode the project uh, yesterday, and one of the gentlemen that was uh, riding with me, he said, and I, uh, this speaks to me for me as well that I've never worked on a project with this magnitude of work and the the length of the project. Mm. Actually, the largest project that GDOT has ever undertaken in general. Tell us about the the roles that you guys play. Stephen and Paul, what are your lo- roles in this project? Uh, my major role is just to coordinate the activities, daily activities, and keeping the job moving, uh, working with FHWA, uh, just a representative for the department, uh, a face, if you will, to keep the job moving. And I'll let Paul kind of describe uh, his role in that HNTB. Sure. Um, my role had started back in 2010, and um, my role was to really set up the first design-build finance uh, contract um, in the state. This was a new model that had not been ever executed in the state, and um, as a design-build finance course, um, it, it took a lot of changing and really the culture and, and some of the thinking on GDOT on how to deliver a project. Normally, they would have mostly internal staff to try to manage you know, their typical projects, 
but with this magnitude, there's there's anywhere between I would say um, fifty to sixty people that Stephen and myself have to manage on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Besides the contractors' work, and just try to make this thing happen. Got it. Hey guys, just give me a bottom line. How is this going to make my commute to work easier? So you have a choice to make. You can either use the general purpose lane or you can use the tolling lane. So the beauty of the tolling lane is uh, it being dynamic. Of course, as the need or goes up or demand goes up, the price goes up because the ultimate goal is what? To keep that lane open and to keep traffic flowing in a manner that's expected by the uh, traveling public. In fact, the, the goal is to never drop below 45 miles an hour in the tolling lane. I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, when you as the price goes up, that's the reason it's going up, to keep the lane uh, moving and to minimize impact. The beauty is that you get to have a choice, but the overall savings, if you use the express lane, is estimated at 43 uh, minutes as compared to now. But also another benefit is if, you know, when we take people and put them in the tolling lane or travelers, you lessen the number of travelers in a general purpose lane. So the expected savings in a general purpose lane would be 16 minutes. How many cars are we talking about on the road? There are approximately 450,000 vehicles uh, use the 75-285 interchange. And then north of Windy Hill, it's approximately 214,000 travelers use the corridor north of Windy Hill on a daily basis. That is a massive project. <laughs> Paul, I was going to ask you, this is Bill. I wanted to ask a quick question. As I think about, so you two are managing 50 to 60 people fairly directly, but this is this managed lane system is massive. So, you know, Stephen uh, described it's, it's about 30 miles of managed lanes. And, and I think my understanding is this is similar to systems that are in Houston, L.A., Minneapolis, and Seattle. And uh, it's directional, so you guys have to take into account there are two lanes of traffic going southbound on the morning commute and then going northbound on the uh, evening commute. Correct. So this is – and this is a a new – this is the first time we've implemented anything like that in the state of Georgia. So this is new technology, so to speak, and a massive – the largest budget, the largest project that you guys have had. So I imagine there's uh, that kind of – ups the ante for you guys, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, there was a lot of things, like I said, since, you know, I had come on board and we had to work with GDOT and, and uh, you know, they were willing to take the risk and go in different directions they'd never gone before, but mm. it was the only way really we can produce the product uh, for the for the state. So it was a really big change in, in thinking for delivery of this. And, and the, the other thing, too, is, you know, you're talking to the two people here, I guess, kind of delivering the project in a sense, but there's somewhere where it has to be plugged into the wall in right. a sense. And, you know, we're building the vacuum cleaner and it's the most expensive vacuum cleaner you've ever seen. But at some point it's got to be plugged in the wall and to be working. <laughs> that's so right. There's, there's a whole other effort that's out there um, that we're not really discussing too much in detail. But, you know, the whole operations side of this and the gate system and the toll system and compliance, mm. you know, with the tolling mm. and things. Is, a, is another massive undertaking that, you know, SRTA is, is, is involved with GDOT. Um, there's several agencies to assist to make sure that gets it done. There's several departments besides GDOT mm-hmm. and just what Steve Stephen works for to deliver the project as well and then also to operate the project afterwards. So it, it's a huge endeavor. So given all these stakeholders and all these uh, participants, 
how, uh, Paul and Stephen, how do you guys keep everybody on the same page? What kind of communication <laughs> advice do you have for uh, project managers? Before I got to the project, they were meeting weekly, the team being uh, GDOT and HNTB's management team met with Newer's management team on a weekly basis. So that I believe that's a big uh, effort. Also, um, we meet weekly internally, um, Monday and Tuesday morning internally to determine how the project's going and uh, looking at questions or answers that uh, need to be addressed. Paul likes to talk about this, and I think it's a great uh, tool that we've used, eBuilder. Hmm. Paul, what is it, 4,000-plus correspondences? That have yeah, 4,000 submittals. Um, really, it's it's a web-based tool, project management tool. And if you're going to ask me with a single most uh, reason for success, um, I would think that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be eBuilder, but there's other you know options that are out there. But having a web-based pro, uh, project management tool is very critical because if you could imagine handling over 4,000 submittals and somebody running down to GDOT's offices and just the staff that they have, it would be impossible for us to turn over you know, all the reviews um, and things that we have to accomplish on a day-to-day basis. Um, but going back to our question, too, with a project this magnitude as well, and Stephen alluded to the communication aspect, you know, I always call this kind of like the octopus, you know, of complexity <laughs> of the project because you've got so many different areas that you're trying to tackle at the same time. You know, you've got, you've got tolling, you've got maintenance, you've got construction, you've got right-of-way, um, design, and I'm sure I'm missing a few here. I mean, there was just so many areas that this is the most complex project. I think you've got everything that you could manage. You've got finance, you've got the legal uh, mm-hmm. piece of this. So there's so much that is at stake on a day-to-day basis that is really not your typical project because of the fact of just the, the, the scope and what it demands. Right. So we do have a series of meetings, and we always project it out. Um, on a weekly basis, and I think as a maybe a recommendation to the PMs that are listening out there is you got to have a plan set for it, but try to have as much communication, but not to the point where you're going to over communicate where people can't get their jobs done. So we had a lot of things planned out because of those different areas and the different areas of expertise that you got to have in place in order to be able to execute with such a fast pace. But eBuilder, like Stephen talked about was probably the main thing that would allow us to, to go ahead and accomplish what we have to do on a day-to-day basis. As we go through this and talk about projects, you know, there's always risks associated. And one of the, one of the obvious risks that you'd think of with an infrastructure project uh, would be weather. And, uh, and, you know, in the project management world, we talk about risks being positive or negative. And so I guess uh, with a lot of the milder weather we had over the winter, that was sort of a positive risk uh, in a lot of ways, I assume, uh, for, the, for the people actually doing the work. What, what other risks do you guys encounter with something like this? What keeps you awake at night? That's the beauty of this model, if you will. Uh, you know, this is a design build instead of a design bid build. Um, so the the weather, while it is a consideration on this project, I believe we've minimized that risk because we've put the design and the uh, the construction practice totally on the developer. So we've mitigated that uh, risk, but that is a, a risk that we do uh, consider and worry about. And it's been, like you said, it's been a milder change in weather over the, the past year and a half. Uh, some of the other, I, I guess one of the biggest risks is just the, 
the the size of the pro you know the sheer size of the project eight hundred thirty four million dollars so you're you're wrestling with am I missing something that's one of the things that I always hmm. worry about am I missing something is something small that we may perceive as small coming back to bite us um, also another risk for the department is this is uh, one of the first models in the state that uh, this design build finance model that we're using. Uh, the, the delivery method of the design build of this year's size, it's a paradigm shift for the department. You know, in the past, most of our work was design bid build projects. Um, so there's uh, the department engaging in a new endeavor, if you will. Uh, Paul alluded to it earlier. Yeah, Stephen, uh, describe that difference. The uh, Just as you've said, this is a, a different approach that you guys are taking. Go into that a little bit further. What do you mean by that? Design build versus design bid build. Design bid build, uh, the department would um, either internally design the project uh, with staff or consult that out to a consultant company. Then we would uh, finalize those said plans, uh, let it out to a contractor uh, for them to, uh, to bid on the work, and then, of course, award it to the, to the successful bidder. Um, in this phase, uh, we've we've allowed the developer Northwest Express Road Builders to uh, design and construct the project. They set the staging. You know they're in total control of the the plans as far as we set parameters, of course, for them. But inside, you know those parameters, they're in control. So, uh, for example, and this is just a small example, uh, but like in a design a bid build project, we would have staging plans that we set up. Mm. Well, in this model, uh, they do that. You know, that responsibility is on them to uh, stage the work and meet our expectations. So it's a different um, it's a different model for us to look at and how you manage that, you know. The beauty of this model is to create innovation, you know, and allow the market, if you will, or the team on the other side of the fence, so to speak, create innovation that's in an acceptable manner acceptable manner to the department that something we can live with the e-builder process is another innovative way you know that's something we haven't done within the department it's the first time gdot's ever had also the design build team allow for frontline inspection as well correct and uh, i don't know if that was alluded with what steven just said but i just be specific to that that's the first time ever that that's been done because you're trying to shift the quality responsibility onto the person who could most control that, which is the developer building the project. Now, that doesn't mean that they total do the inspection and we just let things go. We also have two other teams that also do what we call oversight inspection to make sure that that's being taken place. But if for some reason something is constructed in the field wrong, GDOT's not in the path of direction um, for directing them to do something that could be wrong, where then GDOT's in the light of having to reconstruct something. It's totally on them, on the risk, um, as far as for controlling the quality product and, and also making sure that design that they designed is being constructed for their plan on their side. Paul, that seems to me like there'd be a lot less finger pointing and saying, hey, that's not my job. There's more ownership there and a better partnership with uh, those that are doing the construction. Yeah, and that's, and that's the goal. Because um, we've had situations in there where, you know, they've had to come back and they've had to reconstruct certain items and they couldn't look at GDOT and say, well, you kind of told me it was okay. Um, so it is a, it, it is a different shift. Uh, you're also, too, trying to help schedule because you don't want to be there in their uh, faces every step of the way. 
Um, you want to have them to have the flexibility, but still at the end of the day, they have to comply with the contract. And we still have plenty of safe relief valves in place to make sure that that happens. Yeah, there's parameters set up in the in the contract, but they're expect, you know, we give them freedom inside those parameters. And I'll give one example, you know, if, if there was a, if in a design, you'd ask about design bid build, in the design bid build world, if we had a major flaw in the design uh, or some flaw, then, you know, the department opens them up, themselves up for a, uh, a claim, possibly, mm-hmm. or they try to mitigate uh, we, I guess, as a department, try attempts to mitigate that flaw in the design. In this case, in this model that we're using, you know, if there's a if there's a flaw in the design, you know, it's not the department's flaw; it's right. the, the developer's flaw. So, it, like you said, the the finger pointing is stopped at that point because if it's brought to our attention, we just say, you know, you're in control of the design; you just have to mitigate uh, your design. Right, right. It's classic risk management. I like it. Correct. Correct. And, and the other thing, if you don't mind, and, and since I'm almost the last one standing at the top of the hill on this project, I'm getting ready to be pushed off maybe after this podcast. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's other risk here that, you know, I think that in the beginning of time that I think we really take, try to take a close look at, you know, even before, you know, Stephen came on board. And you always want to take a risk, which I call the three cancers of any project, which is your right of way, your permits and your utility relocations. So because of this project and the longer procurement, GDOT did look at those risks because those are the things that get in the way of the contractor um, because you wait to give him the contract and in true design build, if he's responsible for all that, it's very hard for him then to set his schedule and accomplish the mission if he's starting so late in the process on those things because right away it can take 18 months on some parcels. So we took a very aggressive route in trying to acquire the right of way in conjunction with the procurement. So when the person came on board and they came on board, we can tell which parcels were able to go to clear certain areas so they can work in it. So that was one thing. And then the other thing was the permits. You know, we started working with the agencies to the scope that we knew. We understood they had flexibility in design, but if they changed anything, it was their responsibility to come back to that agency and make the changes. But at least we started discussions, at least we moved the permitting process further down the path so they can start sooner as well and clear certain areas as well. And then the third thing is the utilities, it was all on them. Hmm. So utility relocation, because of design they owned, and they can control mostly on utility relocations, the utility relocations was totally their responsibility and enter into agreements, which is totally new to GDOT, um, with the contractor. So those three things, too, I'm just going back in time, which really set up, you know, I think, for the success to what we're talking about today, being one year away from the project finish, that um, those are things too. Maybe your listeners are are curious to hear. On these large projects, it's 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 kind of known, um, but there's an alternative technical concept pro- uh, process that happens before the contract is awarded, hmm. and allows innovation to come in at the time when you have concept drawings that you're getting your your NEPA or your environmental approvals, and allows them to change certain things that the owner would get a benefit, and both time and money could be saved. And that way they can incorporate that into their bid. So that's a very important thing when we start to talk about risk too as well and, and innovations. That alternative technical concept process, this project also was the first ever in the state too to utilize that process as well as part of the bidding. Interesting. Guys, uh, when you were talking about acquiring right-of-way and utilities relocation, uh, it reminded me I have a friend who was managing a project in Mexico City Um, and working for the Mexican government. And as they began to excavate, 
for their capital, they found uh, um, uh, Aztec ruins underneath, <laughs> and uh, that complicated things greatly. So I'm I'm sort of uh, it would have been fun to find an ancient civilization uh, <laughs> uh, underneath the corridor, but I'm kind of glad we didn't in a sense. Yeah. Let me ask you a question uh, as we as we talk about a project of this size. Uh, and we talk about the integration aspects of it. Talk to me about your role as coordinator a little bit. You have 60 people. You have multiple vendors. You've got to keep the public informed. You've got stakeholders up and down the chain who are interested in, in what's going on. How do, you, how do you coordinate all of these efforts with all of these different uh, interested parties? We, For example, uh, Cobb County, we meet with Cobb County monthly. Uh, Amanda, who I mentioned earlier, that's um, in the room with us, she reaches out to uh, the different agencies for us, provides updates to those said agencies. You know, it's Cobb County, Cherokee County, City of Holly Springs, there's a City of Atworth, um, City of Marietta. Um, we've got a website that that uh, that is updated weekly. Some of the things that's included in that website is our environmental information, our uh, travel alerts, but just our coordination and our uh, effort to reach out to the stakeholders. They, uh, they contact us probably sometimes daily and weekly uh, with questions about the project. So they feel very, I, I hope they do, and I, I believe they do, they feel comfortable reaching out to myself or Amanda or Paul or even uh, our internal GDOC communication staff, so we provide those answers in a timely uh, manner to them. For any citizens, too, there's a project hotline they can call in, and we actually use, you know, we talked about eBuilder, and uh, we work on responses uh, back to the public. Yeah, I think in general, there's a lot of a lot of coordination that has to take place, and something uh, something that was mentioned earlier is, look, uh, we've got one part of this, but you know, then there are other parts with the toll uh, components that have to work, et cetera. So there's just an awful lot of coordination and interfacing there. I just wanted to hear more about how you guys approach that. Yeah, and, and I'll give one example. Uh, uh, you may be, I'm sure you are aware that the, the tolling lane on I-75 South uh, opened up at the end of January. So it's in operation now. So uh, leading up to its opening, the department uh, in coordinated effort with HNTB and uh, CERTA, internal GDOT, uh, created a go live task force. So uh, Paul alluded to it earlier. One of the big, our big task, I guess, moving from this point forward, of course, is opening the project. Uh, but the next big task is, like he said, plugging it in. Mm. So we have a, a, a go live task force that includes uh, CERTA employees. HNTB employees, GDOT employees, because we don't want to get to next year and not have the effort, you know, ready to go, so to speak. So um, we've got a steering committee, if you will, uh, of some of the um, managers for each agency. And then outside of that, you have, and I'm going to give the example, you have a, a, a incident management work. You know, this is something that a lot of the people may not even be aware of, uh, incident management moving forward when the project uh, opens, uh, how do you manage incidents inside the corridor? That's some of the big questions that people are asking, you know, the local governments are asking, how, how do we get in the corridor and uh, assist in emergency management? So this past Friday, we hosted a um, communications meeting and all of the incident management, the fire, police, towing were invited. 
So we'll meet with those individuals monthly moving forward until the project opens. Uh, internally, GDOT, the maintenance, this is a, you know, I've told somebody before, this is this one project is similar to what one district would perform in one year, uh, some of the work, if not more, uh, meaning that there's 39 bridges on the project, um, wow. 68 retaining walls, 45 sound barriers, uh, 273 cameras and 14 toll zones. So just the maintenance that the department and CERTA will take on when we open the project up is, is a big uh, deliverable that we have to account for moving forward. Uh, data collection, IT, uh, the IT aspect of it uh, when it's opened up, how TMC plays into the... Um, and actually, I'm learning stuff as we move forward. Actually, at TMC, CERTA and GDOT will have one person sitting side by side, you know, to manage uh, the tolling operation on a day-to-day -day basis. The hero, the hero units will be, I think uh, uh, GDOT is looking to utilize uh, between 35 and 40 hero uh, employees mm. uh, just for this project because they'll assist in the opening and closing of the tolling lane on a daily basis. TMC is the Traffic Management Center, and there's 14 groups, and I would say about 50 people that Stephen's describing, not only in our day job here about getting the project accomplished, but this is now the, the focusing role of just these 14 groups and about 50 people, and it's called actually the Go Live Task Force. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I call it the Go Lively Task Force, but um, <laughs> right. this is really, you know, really the guts of where we're heading in that direction, so it's a, it's a whole nother undertaking besides just the day-to-day -day work and how we function on just to uh, accomplish the project to be able to plug it in. Right. Guys, when I hear the scope of this project and I think about the impact that it has on so many people in a community uh, and the daily impact, and I look at the budget of over $800 million, uh, it, it's it's really impressive to me that you guys look beyond that to sustainability and who's going to maintain this. How are we going to get those hero units on those lanes when somebody breaks down or has an accident and uh so this go live task force and and many of the the people that are behind the scenes right now uh it's impressive to me to think about the planning that you guys have when you think about all right not only are we going to complete and deliver this new system uh but we're going to be able to maintain it and it's going to be uh, a, a great coordination between all these different bodies so well done in that regard i'm impressed by that um so i appreciate your input on that Thanks so much for being with us here on Manage This and, and giving us some insight into really what I guess is almost an heroic task of efficiently moving thousands of people every day. We've got some gifts for you here. We, uh, you, you can't see it, but we have a beautiful Manage This coffee mug that we want to send both of you. Uh, use it every day. Well, we, we appreciate that. I'll have to find a, my old Bradley University mug to send back to you guys. <laughs> find something from Southern Poly. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having us. We uh, like to communicate with people, get the message out, and uh, thank you for allowing us to do that today. Yeah, it was a great discussion. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We want to let our listeners know that if they have any questions about the Northwest Corridor Project, they can email northwestcorridor at dot.ga.gov. That's northwestcorridor at dot.ga.gov. Or the project hotline is 678-486-3767. Well, thanks again, Stephen and Paul. Andy and Bill, as always, thanks for your expertise. 
We want to remind our listeners of that extra value that we provide for just listening to this podcast. Your time is worth PDUs, professional development units toward your recertifications. To claim your free PDUs for this podcast, go to Velociteach.com and select Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and just click through the steps. And that's it for us here on Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in on April 18th for our next podcast. In the meantime, you can visit us at Velociteach.com slash Manage This to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or to contact us and tweet us at manage underscore this if you have any questions about our podcasts or about project management certifications. We'd love to hear from you. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.